0: Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your host, Alex Harris, and with them as always are Tim Garner and Matt Paul. Moving on up, we're doing so well, Uh, (laughs) we're making so much (laughs) money on this podcast that that Matt could upgrade. The
1: checks keep rolling in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Uh... (laughs) <laughs> I had a mild panic attack today. You know, nothing crazy.
1: Ooh, nice. About what?
0: <laughs> what wasn't it about? It would be an easier uh Seriously, an easier question, I suppose. Shorter list. Right, right. Uh, uh speaking of existential dread. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, hello, and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. Unfortunately, you may know me from the recent news headline, Local Man Breaks Hip While Watching Someone Else Do Jump Kick. So, we had to do some reshoots for Ninja 4 into the Ninjaverse, and I haven't been keeping up with my hip flexors. I have notoriously tight hips. So I wasn't quite in proper shape to play my character, Snake Storm, And I-, I wanted to do all the stunts myself, but I had to let one of the stunt guys take over. And I bent down slightly during the stunt to make my hands form a little viewing window, y- y- you know, like a real director. And I shattered my hip in three places. I- I'm sure it could happen to anyone. It was especially bad because we were filming the scene where Snake Storm is fighting the samurai demon from Dragon the Bruce Lee story, which was also being filmed for a news segment about some hack director insulting Bruce Lee's memory by reducing his life story to a cheap fan service moment something like that I wasn't really paying attention but either way the whole thing was caught on tape so my agony was broadcast on the news They, they even used the audio of my hip snapping and the shrieks that followed to start some new tiktok thing about fragile useless men or at least that's what my wife did with it
2: yeah I've been there Man, if I had a nickel for every time I've broken my hip while trying to do mocap for the W, that's Warner Brothers' logo, uh, I'd be able to pay for my extremely necessary hip surgery. To this day, it still cracks every time I breathe.
1: Tim, do not normalize this. Alex, not only are you apparently way too out of shape to exist as a human being, (laughs) but you definitely shouldn't be trying to do stunts or play any part with even basic athletic ability. That'd be like me playing someone who's bad at script (laughs) doctoring.
2: Also, I mean, isn't Snake Storm in a mask for most of the movie?
0: Oh, he's in a mask for the entire movie. You never see his face, which is a shame because I I had Tim's brother Frank give me all sorts of gnarly facial scars to justify us never showing his face ever. I even made sure some of the wounds and scars look unmistakably like human genitals so he couldn't use a single shot of my face even if it was caught by accident.
1: Uh... Why?
0: Because Snake Storm is mysterious. It would ruin the character if you saw his face.
1: Then why did you need to play him? Couldn't he have been a stunt guy the whole time? Or a suit actor?
0: Matt, a stunt guy couldn't have nailed the complexities of his character, the body language, the hand acting. And, and I don't know a single suit actor capable of such a performance either.
1: What about Tim? And yeah, even I can't believe I'm suggesting him.
0: Oh, well... Well, of course, of course, Tim could have done it. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a good reason for not thinking of you. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Tim.
2: It's okay. Um, I'll pretend I'm not deeply offended in order to show my range as an actor. <laughs>
0: Look, it, it just needed to be me. I wanted to be Snakestorm. I, I had to play him. Why? Because I just didn't want to be me for a little bit. Okay.
1: I mean, I, I get it. I wouldn't want to be you either. But you're going to get yourself killed playing these parts, Alex. Or apparently while casually stretching as you write these parts. You can't spend your life just running from the reality by pretending you're someone else, you know? Speaking of how sad it is to constantly pretend you're someone else, why don't you introduce yourself, Tim?
2: You'd think I'd be offended, but I'm pretending to be someone who won't be crying as he shatters all the mirrors in his house later tonight. Hi, I'm Tim Gardner, man of suit, actor, contortionist, mime, green suit guy. You may know me for my role as Enoch in Nightmare Alley.
0: Oh, let me guess. They put you in a creepy baby suit and then shrunk the footage and comped you into the bottle?
2: No, I did it live. All six four of me is really in that little bottle. I'm a contortionist, not a quitter, Alex. For the record, (laughs) Del Toro was appalled when he found out there was a real person in there especially when he tried to put me on his bookcase at home.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Paul, and I'm just the guy on a podcast. I'm certainly not a script doctor, and anyone who says I am must have gone mad. Speaking of madness, do you think people would rather see a fan favorite like John Krasinski play Reed Richards in some project he could possibly have here, <laughs> or someone already established as Reed Richards?
2: Well... I certainly don't know what you're talking about, but if uh, Krasinski were used as a variant for Reed Richards, uh, wouldn't that either take him out of the running for main timeline MCU or possibly confuse people further if he played both?
1: Ah, uh, good point. You're right. I'll stick with the Reed Richards everyone knows and loves. My boy Josh Trank is going to be so happy. <laughs>
0: Anyway, once again, in an affront to the numb, emotionless state I live in every day, we have some corrections from the previous episode. First, for the record, I want a Batman trilogy from Matt Reeves. I'm just saying we'll probably get one whether they have a good story or not. As long as the Batman has a large opening, it's definitely going to have. Also, last week we made a joke about not knowing who Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games is, and although I technically stand by that joke, I don't think it's Josh's fault. He just hasn't really escaped the shadow of the Hunger Games yet. That said, he did almost get the part of Peter Parker in the Amazing Spider-Man movies before Andrew Garfield was cast, and there's even a fight scene slash screen test that he filmed on YouTube if anyone feels like looking it up. It's all right. Finally, when Matt was talking about Fred Armisen being able to sound more British than British people, I'd like to apologize for not singing more British than British to the tune of White Zombies More Human Than Human. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> that, that that was a huge miss. It really was. I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, while we were discussing Neon Maniacs, Alex made fun of the titular Neon Maniacs living under a bridge when they're allergic to water. Now, I just want to point out that we realized Alex was being insensitive about San Francisco real estate prices. They're monsters or something from another dimension or something. Alex, that's probably all they could afford in the area. (laughs) Also, the name of the other band at Union High School Freak Frolic Night was the Outlaws. We're also sorry for not pointing out that the singer of Jaded was randomly using a whip while they played. That is true and a huge oversight in our parts. Wow. How did <laughs> we forget that?
0: I, know, how, I, I, I noticed it when I was uh, stealing the audio to put at the end of the previous episode. Finally,
1: I'd like to apologize for us not calling the actors who played the maniacs, maniacs. <laughs> we honestly have no excuse on a personal level i'd like to apologize for some of the extra background noises in my audio last week i'm currently in the middle of doctoring more cameos into uh well it's totally not doctor strange if that's what you were thinking and i'm trying to quickly finish my draft before david hasselhoff shows up to film his scenes with samuel L. jackson
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's it for corrections let's move on to some news Tom Holland's Uncharted and Channing Tatum's Dog are both overperforming at the box office. Personally, I'm a little surprised. I didn't think audiences would be that interested in a movie about a well-liked, charismatic lead being paired up with an aggressive, nonverbal animal. Especially when they could go see that movie Dog instead.
2: (laughs) In a recent interview, Chevy Chase finally responded to the several claims that he's difficult to work with. He swore the accusations are inaccurate. And then he told the interviewer to go fuck themselves.
1: <laughs> oh. Charlie Day, the voice of Luigi in the upcoming Mario movie, says he's interested in a Luigi's Manson.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Luigi's Mansion
1: Says he's interested in a Luigi's Mansion movie. Unfortunately, to modernize the story, it's being changed to Luigi's overpriced one-bedroom apartment. <laughs>
0: Channing Tatum is going to star in a remake of Nora Finkscheid's German drama System Crasher. Or as the movie is known in Germany, Ich bin ein System Crasher.
2: (laughs) Adam Sandler is going to star as a tough-love basketball coach in Netflix's Hustle. Apparently, Sandler motivates the students by threatening to make them watch all of his other Netflix movies.
0: Shilling
1: Uma Thurman has given another update on Kill Bill Volume 3, Apparently, Bill comes back from the dead and hunts down Thurman's character. They're calling it Sending Uma to Her Duma.
0: (laughs) Matt Reeves has released Michael Giacchino's Catwoman theme for the Batman. We actually have a clip of the theme from the dark and moody score. Let's check it out now.
2: Jesus Christ, you monster.
0: (laughs) That's going to be so good. Cats too, I know.
2: (laughs) John Cena is going to play the lawyer for fictional corporation Acme in the Looney Tunes movie, Coyote vs. Acme. When asked how he's going to prepare to be the face of a soulless corporation, Cena replied, You know I used to work for WWE, right?
1: A trailer for Baz Luhrmann's Elvis biopic starring Austin (laughs) Butler has been released. We even have a brief clip from the trailer. Let's check it out.
0: There's two things you need to know. The king and number two is look out, man. A trailer has been released for The Contractor, an action thriller starring Chris Pine and Kiefer Sutherland. The movie is about a shadowy agency that contracts independent assassins rather than give their salaried assassins raises and health insurance.
2: Oh, it's too real. I hate that. Too real. <laughs> Star Trek 4 is officially in the works with Chris Pine and the rest of the main cast in negotiations to return. Interestingly. Benedict Cumberbatch is going to return, only to reveal that Khan was another misdirect, and he's actually Wesley Crusher. My God! (laughs) The boy.
1: Sebastian Stan is going to star in the cannibal thriller Fresh, which is not to be confused with the recently released Death on the Nile, which is a thriller starring a
2: cannibal.
0: I don't get it. And for the record, I don't, we don't know if Army Hammer actually has done any of that.
2: Which is the thriller allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Starring... <laughs> I mean. That's a huge <laughs> word. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Ray Liotta is joining Demi Moore and Margaret Qualley in the body horror film The Substance. The title comes from the one thing all my movies supposedly lack.
2: Oh,
0: harsh. Guys, <laughs> who wrote that?
2: <laughs> Jeez, what a bastard. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home has officially made more money in the domestic box office than James Cameron's Avatar. In order to win back his spot, Cameron's next Avatar movie is going to cross over with Fern Gully and Dances with Wolves. <laughs> I'd watch
1: that movie. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Oscars, desperate to regain our attention, are letting Twitter users vote for their favorite movie of 2021. To be fair, this is an improvement over last year where you could only vote on LiveJournal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Deep Water, the erotic thriller starring Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, is coming to Hulu in March. The movie is extra steamy because it was filmed while the real-life couple were still dating. In fact, in one scene, you can clearly see that the phoenix on Affleck's back is aroused. <laughs> also, I'd like to point out that the movie's going to be a part of a new sexy marketing campaign on Hulu called Watch People Screw Lou on Hulu.
2: Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes are hosting this year's Oscars in order to find hosts with a fresh diverse image. They simply ask the Academy voters to point at pictures of people who frighten them. <laughs>
0: <Oof>. <laughs> I mean that's probably how it happened. <laughs>
2: Guillermo
1: del Toro's Nightmare Alley was watched by 1.2 million U.S. households in its first six days of streaming. Meanwhile, our episode on Nightmare Alley has been listened to for an average of 1.2 seconds.
0: It's pretty good. That's up by 0.2 from previous episodes.
2: So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Matt Reeves says he's interested in a grounded version of Mr. Freeze for a potential sequel to the Batman. Here to talk about it is one of the stars of 1997's Batman and Robin, Mr. Freeze.
3: Yes, yes, it's ice to be here. Mr. Freeze, thanks for being
2: here. I hope the uh, studio isn't too warm or anything.
3: You can chillax, Mr. Timothy, my special suit, which is powered by diamonds, which is funny because some people call diamonds ice, you know. Keeps me nice and frosty.
2: Great. Uh, So uh, what do you think about Matt Reeves wanting to do a, quote, grounded version of Mr. Freeze?
3: I'm not sure what he means by that. What's not grounded about me? I'm shiny, glowing, have wings, a freeze gun. And I torture my minions by making them live and work in sub-zero temperatures. I mean, that last part is certainly realistic. That sounds like something Jeff Bezos would do. Has Matt Reeves
2: talked to you about appearing in a sequel at all?
3: Not yet. He better call me, though. Because if he doesn't, that would not be cool. For the record, I tried to get Joel Schumacher to let me play it straight. Take it seriously. But every time I tried to suggest more realistic lines such as Batman... Don't assume I'm a villain just because I'm chilling. Joel wouldn't last five minutes in an igloo marker would just shoot a grappling gun up the wall and drive away.
1: Wow, Mr. Freeze. I have to admit,
3: that seems cold. <laughs> yes, yes, of course, of course you're the funny one, Dr. Matthew. Thank you again for the lines you wrote for me in the movie. I know you're only 16 at the time, and I'm not supposed to talk about it. But if it wasn't for the meaty lines you gave me back then, I probably would have cranked the heat all the way up on the set and taken the whole movie down with me.
1: Thanks, Vic, but again, we're really not supposed to talk about it.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, Dr. Matt. I'll cool it.
1: Good, thank you. Because again... We're not supposed to talk about me being a script doctor.
3: Oh, yes, yes, I know. That'd be bad. Oh, wow. I didn't realize you two went way back.
2: Wow. that's, Jeez, Matt, holding out on us. Uh, anyway, Mr. Freeze, you were talking about working with Joel Schumacher and how it seemingly wasn't a great experience.
3: Oh, yes, yes, of course. Sorry, I'm having a bit of trouble arctic-ulating. Maps, or Dr. Giggles as I call him, always oh, cracks me up. But yes, making Batman and Robin was like being on a beautiful beach on a warm summer day. It was terrible! I was so miserable, I made the whole set extra cold every day so everyone's nipples broke through their costumes. Every day I'd walk up to George Clooney and say, How do you like the weather? It's a tit-nipply, isn't it? He'd pretend he didn't think it was funny and I'd tell him to go frost himself.
1: (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Do you have any other funny stories from filming?
3: One time I was talking to Joel while we were both doing laundry. I was wearing a series of plastic bags full of ice while my free suit was in the delicate cycle. And Joel was karate cleaning his clothes. It was the third weirdest thing I ever saw him do. He offered to dry my clothes too, but I don't dry my clothes. I freeze them.
2: Wow, that's some hot tea, Mr. Freeze.
3: I hate hot tea. I'm a cold
2: blue man. No, 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 no. I, I just mean Thanks. that this is great stuff, Mr. Freeze. But we really didn't talk about you hoping Matt Reeves contacts you about a sequel to the Batman or how you would handle the role any differently.
3: Ah, yes, of course. Matt Reeves better be an ice-cold winner and not a lukewarm loser. If he wants Mr. Freeze, he better come to the real Mr. Freeze. Because if not, he might find himself six feet below zero.
2: Ooh, Chilling.
3: Okay, well, thanks for coming by, Mr. Freeze. You're welcome. Happy to break the ice with you guys. <laughs> that reminds me, you should change the name of the show to A Ice BT Movies. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> thanks. We'll look into it.
3: Goodbye, Matthew. I'll see you refrigerator. Bye. <laughs> Man, it's chilly in
0: the studio now. Uh, that's it for news. Let's move on to new releases. New in theaters only is Studio 666, legendary rock band Foo Fighters move into an Encino mansion steeped in grisly rock and roll history to record their much-anticipated 10th album. The supernatural horror comedy is directed by B.J. McDonald with a screenplay by Jeff Buller and Rebecca Hughes, based on a story from Dave Grohl. Grohl stars in the film alongside his Foo Fighters bandmates Taylor Hawkins, Nate Mandel, Pat Smear, no use for her names, Chris Shiflet and Rami Jaffe, while Whitney Cummings, Leslie Grossman, Will Forte, Jenna Ortega, and Jeff Garland co-star. I I want to see that.
2: I know, me too. Uh, new in theaters and on VOD is The Desperate Hour. A mother desperately races against time to save her child as authorities place her small town on lockdown. Uh-oh. Is this some, like, weird a- anti-mask propaganda? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm worried. The Desperate Hour, originally titled Lakewood, is a thriller directed by Philip Noyce. (laughs) Noyce! It stars Naomi Watts, Colton Gobbo, and Sierra Maltby.
1: New in select theaters and on VOD is Butter. Butter is a smart, funny high school junior who happens to be obese. He secretly befriends the prettiest girl in school via social media by pretending to be a jock from another school. As Butter struggles with bullying and self-esteem at school, he plans an incredible social media stunt that will risk his life, but gain him attention and popularity. As the day arrives, can he really do it? Butter, also known as Butter's Final Meal, is a drama directed by Paul A. Kaufman, based on the novel of the same name by Erin Jade Lang. It stars Mir and Michael T. Williamson, Brian Van Holt, Ravi Patel, Annabeth Gish, and Alex Kersling.
0: New in limited theaters and on VOD is Desperate Riders. Kansas Red rescues young Billy from a card game shootout. The boy asks Red for help protecting his mother from the outlaw, Thorn, who's just kidnapped Billy's mother, Carol. As Red and Billy ride off to rescue Carol, they run into beautiful, tough-as-nails Leslie, who's managed to escape Thorn's men. The three race to stop Thorn's wedding to Carol with guns a But does she want to be rescued? The Western is directed by Michael Pfeiffer and written by Lee Martin. It stars Trace Adkins, really? Drew Waters, Vanessa Lee Evigan, Sam Ashby, Victoria Pratt, and Cowboy Troy. You guys, remember Cowboy Troy?
2: You may remember him from such films as, <laughs> Hi, I'm Cowboy Troy.
0: He was like the beginning of, um, of like pop country in a lot of ways.
2: I had no, I honestly don't know who he is. That, that's really what he's claimed to fame is: Pop country guy?
0: It, that, mu- that must be a working at Newberry thing for me to know who he is, but I remember the CD coming in. C D.
2: Compact Disc? <laughs> what are, what are those? Uh could they put movies on those? No. Uh, is he uh he's not the guy who did Save a Horse Ride a Cowboy, is he?
0: I don't think so, but yeah. I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask that.
2: Uh, okay. New on Hulu is no exit. During a blizzard and stranded at an isolated highway rest stop in the mountains. A college student discovers a kidnapped child hidden in a car belonging to one of the people inside the thriller is directed by damian power from a screenplay by andrew barrer and gabriel ferrari based on the 2017 novel of the same name by taylor adams it stars danny ramirez and dennis allstate Hayesberg.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i loved him as the president and 24 hell yeah I,
2: oh yeah that's right
0: he was sick he's great
1: new on netflix is tyler perry's a medea homecoming medea's back Hallelujah. And she's not putting up with any <laughs> nonsense as family drama erupts at her great-grandson's college graduation celebration. The comedy, produced, written, and directed by Tyler Perry, is his second film to be released by Netflix. Besides Perry, the film stars Cassie davis Patton, David Mann, Tamala Mann, Gabrielle Dennis, and Brendan O'Carroll. Is the 12th film in the Medea cinematic universe.
0: <laughs> the real MCU! And is
1: adapted from Perry's stage play, Medea's Farewell Play, and is the first Medea film to be adapted from a stage play since a Medea Christmas.
0: <laughs> Sorry for making you say hallelujah, but that's really in the synopsis.
1: I love it. I love that. <laughs>
0: All right, that's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Did We Watch This Week? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we go. It came out in November, but this week we watched Ghostbusters Afterlife. When a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. The Supernatural Comedy is directed by Jason Reitman, son of original director Ivan Reitman, who sadly passed away recently, and was written by Reitman and Gil Keenan. It stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd, while Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, and Sigourney Weaver reprise their roles from the previous films. It is the sequel to 1984's Ghostbusters and 1989's Ghostbusters 2, and is the fourth film in the Ghostbusters franchise, technically. Uh, so, as a warning, we will—I'm sure—we'll get into spoilers as we discuss Ghostbusters Afterlife. So, if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to pause this, watch the movie, and come back. Otherwise, let's dig right in. So, Matt and Tim, what are your favorite things about Ghostbusters Afterlife?
1: I um, I was so I I, I actually have to say I thought it was better than I expected it to be. Yeah, true. And I mean, Paul Rudd. As always, oh, yeah. is a delight.
0: He is a delight. Yeah,
1: and for the most part, the whole cast, except for the kid from Str- um, Stranger Things, I thought he was an idiot <laughs> or just annoying, right. just kind of annoying. I actually did like all like how you know meta it was, as the kids say, for the most <laughs> part. Okay. Um.
0: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> What do you got, Sam? No,
2: no, no, no. It's not, uh, I'm making, I'm bound out of a molehill. Matt's right. It's a lot better than you would assume it would be. That being said, they fucking force awakened me like I hoped they didn't, but they did. In a new term I learned, this is a requill, meaning <laughs> a reboot and a sequel all in one. Yep. Yeah. If you've seen the first Ghostbusters movie, you've seen this movie. Yeah. It's executed really well. The special effects are nice. They got they got captured that old cell animation look for the proton packs and yep. Oh, and the traps and all that stuff. Um, I mean, even even Olivia Wilde as yeah, Gozer the Gozerian, amazing.
0: Which I thought was cool that she was willing to do such a small part, small but pivotal part, without being credited. I thought that was cool.
2: Yeah, I actually, I you know what. I think we've hit the crux, gents. It's other than Paul Rudd. I mean, goes to the Gozarian was my favorite part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, I get that. I get that.
2: Uh, That's all I got. (laughs)
0: Um, Well, I think I like this the most out of the three of us, based on what you guys said. So, first, I'll address the Force Awakenness of it, and you know what the the thing about the movie that. I liked it first, and then it bugged me, is I would say the first, like, half of this movie is not really Force Awakens-y. And then, yeah. as like halfway through, then it just falls into that trap. Yeah, and all of a sudden, it's Force Awakens. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The first—I think the first half of the movie is dramatically better than like the second half. It is agreed. And like in the beginning, you know, it was pretty obvious it was supposed to be Egon, but I like that you couldn't really see him clearly, and I was like, okay, I felt all right that. And I, you know, the Ghostbusters movies tend to not start with such a tense. Uh, opening like that. So I, I thought that was cool. I was like, all right, that's that's different. I, I like the change in, in the, you know, what I would expect from a Ghostbusters movie in a lot of ways. So I like the opening. I thought the music was good. Yeah. Uh, which is by Rob Simonson. I thought I did a really good job of recapturing themes from the original series. Definitely. I thought, again, primarily the first half of the movie, I thought it had a pretty good, like, timeless summer movie action adventure vibe Yeah. like it the first half of the movie kind of felt to me what i felt like jj uh, J. J. abrams wanted to do with super8 yeah in a lot of ways okay it it looked good i thought at uh the director of photography eric, eric steelberg is like Reitman's, like kind of his go-to director of photography he did five he did uh juno and stuff like that but he also did other movies like 500 days of summer which is a good looking movie and he did, he worked on hawkeye and I I just like the vibe of the movie, especially during like the first half. I liked the town it was in. I like the locations. That spinner diner was really cool. Yeah. I like when they referred to that Egon's place as the apocalyptic ranch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. There were some funny parts.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, it was it was the script I think was technically pretty good until it devolved into check marks. But I do think it was fairly smart. I, I like like podcast is a pretty prototypical caricature of a modern kid but they also kind of were comfortable laughing at him at points instead of us just trying to be like you know this is what kids are like nowadays like he was both funny and funny to laugh at which i which i thought was was good was smart to do because at first i was immediate like i was so frustrated with him when he pulled out his microphone he's like i come call me podcast yeah
1: I, I, I liked him a lot, actually.
0: Yeah, I, I he grew on me a lot as the movie went on. But yeah, I like the locations. I, I like that they used a lot of older cars in the movie to kind of help with the timeless feel of it. I like the, the fire pole to the hidden space underneath. Yep. And, and again, like at that point, for a while, I was like, wow, this is, like, very different. This is more... I feel like this has more to do with movies like E.T. or Mm -hmm. more like something like Stranger Things than a Ghostbusters rehash, but then, of course, that all changes. And, like, I also thought it was smart to go with kids in a lot of ways. It's risky, but I think that was a good idea because there's no modern cast of comedians they could assemble that would satisfy the majority of existing fans. Because it's... You know, at one point there was years ago. There was talk of like a Seth Rogen, uh, like Seth Rogen and that whole crew being in Ghostbusters. And even though I think some fans would be fine with that, I feel like that would feel so such a desperate attempt to recapture the original movie's magic that I don't think it would really Mm. go well. So I appreciated that they went with the kids element to try and change it up,
2: kind of making it more about legacy than
0: yeah. Which which obviously. Worked well because obviously Jason Reitman was talking, you know, the movie is definitely also about his relationship with his dad. So I thought that that worked fairly well in the movie. When the movie was about that, it was much better to me than when it was about, you know, the Ghostbusters awaken. Yeah. I like the, when he starts the whole scene with him, like joyriding the Ecto-1, even though it was very fan servicey, it also made made sense in the context of the movie. Yeah. I love that they had the gunner seat. Yeah, that was cool. Because that, if, if I remember correctly, that was in the cartoon and the toys.
2: So yeah, I was going to bring that up. Is there was definitely some toy references in that. But yeah, so the gunner seat, the cartoon, and the toys. Also that uh, ghost that had the eyeball, that was a toy. Yeah. Um,
0: I read that, but I don't remember him. But I thought that was cool that they brought in the toys and shit. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, it's just too bad. It's just too bad the rest of the movie. <laughs> right,
0: right. But yeah, I like the RC trap, like the remote controlled trap. I thought that was a cool thing. Every time the Gunner C came out, I enjoyed that. Sure. Um, I like that they, they, I thought the effects were actually surprisingly good.
2: Yes, absolutely. A lot of
0: good uh, practical effects. that uh, head of effects was Arjun Tutin, who used to work with Stan Winston, but also did a bunch of Guillermo del Toro movies. Uh, they purposely made sure that they they had a lot of shots with practical. Uh, what are they called? Like hell beasts with, with Zool and the yeah. The other those one. looked good. The hellhounds. 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 Though I thought they looked really good, and they they looked almost exactly like the originals, uh, which was great. And yeah, the Olivia Wilde thing was was a nice surprise. Uh, I think I had accidentally had that spoiled for me at one point, but it was still fun. I love that she pulled J.K. Simmons in half. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was shocking.
1: I love that he just wakes up and you like think he's going to like do something, but doesn't. That's it.
0: I know, he's just there.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that was J.K. Simmons. Yeah, I yeah. know, right?
0: Although I'm a little confused of whether or not he was alive or dead, but yeah,
1: whatever. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on with that.
2: I think it was just an Im- a reanimated embalmed corpse. Oh, okay. Because when she pulls him apart, he's rather... Not gory, so there's your way of.
0: That's there you go. I I just assumed it was like PG-13 gore, but you're right. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what was going on. And it, speaking of Gozer and all that, I loved her like hollow suit or yes. hollow body. Yes, that was awesome. That was really cool. That was a great effect. I like the characters. I I thought the characters are pretty cool. I thought Carrie Coon was really funny. She had she kind of had like Bill Murray uh, sarcastic energy and was much better in comedy than I expected her to be. She also looked shockingly like a babe in that in that dress with the red eyes, <laughs> which like confused me. I, I was like, why why does she look so good now?
2: I was gonna say even Vince Clortho m- mentioned that. He said, "I like <laughs> I like your eyes."
0: <laughs> I know he did, but like yeah, I mean, and I I'm not saying the Caracoon's not pretty normally, but I was just really like, oh, this is strange um i really 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 liked phoebe a lot yes i thought uh mckenna grace was i thought she was really good in it i i like that that kind of character would typically be like the um comic relief or the love interest of a dorky comic relief but she was the lead instead you know i i really like that she had conviction she had she was brave. She had, she was motivated. She was like a an active protagonist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really liked her. I thought she was funny too. That obtuse joke with the wink, I thought was really funny. Yeah, but
2: a part of me, I need to rewatch that scene again because of was like, that wink was a little too perfect where I'm like, did they, did they <laughs> CGI her eye winking? Because the, the rest of her face didn't move.
0: <laughs> I, need to I know it's real good. It's, I hope she did it for real because it was, it was great. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, Paul Rudd, it, it just he's all—he's like such a secret weapon in any movie he's in. He's just so mm-hmm. likable. Um, I love that his character was having them watch old horror movies yeah. on VHS for <laughs> summer school
1: instead of learning anything.
0: Yeah, Cujo and Child's Play. Um, I loved—I loved him sliding into the car through the broken windshield yeah. That's when he's <laughs> running away from the hellhound. And I especially loved so after his date went badly. He went to Walmart to get himself ice cream, and he did he did the like Paul Rudd strut to the <laughs> ice cream aisle, you so know that good. like very specific like strut that Paul Rudd does that that was fantastic.
2: Speaking of the Walmart scene, very clearly shot in the early days of COVID, um, because oh of, yeah, because that was a conspicuously de- unpopulated Walmart.
0: I know that that must have made it pretty easy for them. They probably did. They didn't have to shut anything down for it. Right. But yeah. And I, the last thing I'll mention that I loved and I forgot how much I loved it until it happened, but the sound of the power pack mm-hmm. turning on, it's a good sound. I, that's, it, it's just such a great sound. And I, to the point where, where Winston even points it out, mm-hmm. but I, I forgot how much I love that sound. It's, it's, it's such a great sound. It, it, it real that really that probably filled me with more like fan joy than just about anything else in the movie was just hearing that turn on.
2: Agreed. That sound just brings me back to the Do-Re-Egon. <laughs> Egon.
0: <laughs> I, know. I know. I remember getting the uh, proton pack like toy at Child World and, and <laughs> being so fucking excited. It
2: uh, was a cool toy, man.
0: It was a cool toy. I wanted a real proton pack so bad. Oh, for sure. I mean, the kid across the street from me
2: growing up had like the ghost trap. And I thought that was amazing.
0: Oh, fuck. Yeah. I I probably had you. You probably showed it to me because I remember seeing one at some point, but I don't think I had one.
2: Yeah. And then there's also my cousin had the PKE meter, which was dope.
0: Yeah. Mm. All that shit was so cool. I was happy to see it all back. And, and,
2: but this is what the movie did. It weaponized nostalgia. Look at us.
0: Look at us. <laughs> it did. It did. And But the thing is, the thing that bugged me is that as I was watching the movie, I noticed that the inanimate objects in the movie, mm-hmm. which served a purpose for the story, were more than good enough for the nostalgia. We didn't even need the people. Yeah. You know like they they could have just given us the ecto one they could have given us the traps and the, the power packs and and for me that would have technically been enough mm. for like the nostalgia lover in me yeah. so it it's, it's kind of a bummer that they felt like they needed more but whatever
2: yeah like the books being stacked in Egon's living room it's like unnecessary symmetrical book stacking yeah it's like a well, little unnecessary <laughs> why would that happen it was very motivated in the first movie okay whatever like that felt like cheap <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe Egon did that as a way of trying to show everyone that he's there. I, I don't know. Mm. Let's let we're getting a little. Na- Let's move on to honorable mentions, um which you know can also be you know can all uh, can also serve as the cronies for this movie, if you will. <laughs> Things that maybe you had mixed emotions on.
2: This whole movie's the cronies for me. Spoiler alert!
0: It is very. I I you know what? I agree with you. This was very cronies for me as well.
2: Matt, you got an honorable mention.
1: I like that little. Ghosty with the multiple arms and likes to chow down on metal. Muncher. Oh yeah, Muncher.
2: Yeah, Muncher. Twenty Twenty One Slimer.
1: Yeah, Twenty Twenty One Slimer.
0: He was the fucking BB Eight of this movie. He was, <laughs> he, was, he was.
2: He very much. They said, "What? Hey, you know what? People know what a tardigrade is. What if we made a ghost know, that looks like a tardigrade?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. I would have rather they had Slimer back, honestly, because oh, sure. it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna put all this effort into into doing Slimer-esque why not just have Slimer but whatever
2: look it's another ghost that likes to eat
0: yep
2: alright so if Matt's was that muncher I guess my honorable mention was a blink and you miss it give me that conventional skeleton ghost like the dead miner in the coffee shop that's my he's my boy he was
1: practical too
2: yeah he was practical just like in the first movie which was the cab driver yep again weaponizing nostalgia but I, I just—he's my honorable mention, though. I like any practical skeleton puppet.
0: I agree, and and again, as I was saying, that was that would have been enough for me. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the, that's the thing. There were so many ways that they could weaponize nostalgia responsibly in this movie <laughs> that it seemed un—it seemed unnecessary when they really took it to the next level. I got a couple. Okay, good. Some of podcasts lines. Uh, um, like him just flat out saying, I think Gruberson is trying to bone your mom. <laughs> or he says, your grandfather was a legend. You could be anything you want, like an influencer or a DJ. DJ, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was great. Some of the more forced fan service I had very mixed emotions on. Like the the sheriff saying, who are you gonna call? Right. I, yeah. I, I was like, huh, and then immediately was like annoyed by it. <laughs> when she called Ray, I mm. was like, okay, I can see this working from a story point of view to some extent. So I was like, all right. But then Ray like talked more than I think he would. But then he also was fine with like, he also seemed kind of resigned to it. It just felt like forced. Mm. So I was a little annoyed by that. I liked technically the like homicidal slash suicidal little state puffed guys
2: yeah a good way to fit brutality into this movie
0: right it was fucking terrifying they were like yeah burn they were like cooking themselves but that that said it also was like oh come on because because it 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 was like you're asking me to believe that that company survived that pr nightmare in 1984 (laughs) <laughs>
2: well not you only know? well not only that, Alex, it's also like Gozer is like I'm coming back and I remember that one time in nineteen eighty-four about choosing your destroyer. I know.
0: Right. Exactly. It it's not like everything in the Walmart started doing that. It was mm-hmm. just coincidentally these Stave Puff Marshmallow guys, which only came to life in the first movie because Ray thought of it. Yep. Yeah. So it, it it was like I enjoyed it, but again it felt forced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Rudd and, uh, Carrie Coon being the key master and the gatekeeper seemed a little convenient.
2: <laughs> you gotta, I mean.
0: I mean, yeah, you gotta have them, for story mechanics, you gotta have them be someone involved in the story, but it's just like, they were just, co- it was not even like they were coincidentally, like, right in the right spot at the right time. They were in completely random spots. Yeah, they, like, spots. them out. Yeah, it was like they were sought out, which kind of bugged me. Yeah. And also, I was like, I had mixed emotions on bringing back Gozer. Mm-hmm. You know, because even the villain was weaponized nostalgia, mm-hmm. and I understand that it helps tell the audience that they're a big deal that the villain was there before. But it was also at that point the movie kind of got gave me like Rise of Skywalker vibes in a way. Uh, <laughs> Gozer is suddenly returned, so that was a little like frustrating, even though it may it worked in a lot of ways. Um, oh. I did technically get excited when the three of them showed up again, but then was also simultaneously annoyed. Um, I was considerably more happy to see Ernie Hudson than Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd. Because Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, not only have they just not aged as well, but they haven't even kept their, like, they don't have that same, like, pep that they had in the old movies. They don't have, like, their personality seems so beaten down compared to who they were. Okay, and Ernie Hudson hasn't missed a step. He look like he's still Winston. He has he has everything he had back then, and it made me be like, you know what? Why didn't I would have preferred they all, if they were gonna bring someone back, they should have just brought Winston, like just Winston on his own. He never got the cred I believed he deserved anyway.
2: Well, no, there's a whole reason why he's so marginalized
0: in the first movie and all that. Well, yeah, because didn't they try to get? Wasn't it supposed to be uh, Eddie Murphy? It wasn't even so much that it was the fact that Belushi was meant to be.
2: Uh, Vankman. Oh. And then when Belushi passes away, they get Murray. And so then Bill Murray, I think, during a lot of rewrites, they kind of gave Winst- a lot of Winston stuff to Vankman. Because Winston was supposed oh. to be in the movie sooner. So that's kind of why right. Ernie Hudson. But that being said, I always liked Winston Zeddemore because he's the most well grounded guy. You know?
0: Yeah, he was my favorite when I was a kid, both in the movies and the cartoon.
2: I mean, my favorite is, of course, Egon, but... Winston's a strong right. is a strong second.
0: The older I get, Egon became my favorite. Mm. But back then, yeah, it was it was Winston.
2: As a tall guy with glasses, I have to go with Egon.
0: <laughs> I know be- well because when I was a kid, I couldn't pick up on all the like brilliant things Harold Ramis did during right. those movies because right. he has all these like wonderfully subtle things. And the older I got, I was like, oh my god, he's so fucking funny. Yeah. But yeah, so I had mixed emotions to seeing them. It was also clear they were not on the set with the main cast during all of that.
2: I think, it was COVID. I think it was COVID filming.
0: Well, yeah, that too. I'm sure it's that too. Um, and I, I had mixed emotions to seeing the Ecto-1 on the bridge in New York and then the Ghostbusters symbol coming up at the song. It was cool, but again, I was like, come on. So it, that was all very confusing. And on that note, I also had very conflicting emotions when it came to Egon in general. I was fine with the beginning yeah, because you couldn't really see him. Um, and, but I, I, I found it really odd that Egon would be a deadbeat dad, even though they tried to explain it, yes. but it just seemed, it just seemed odd.
1: Yeah. They didn't completely explain it.
0: No, no, they, they
2: no, they don't. It seems weird that Egon fucked over his, his close friends so hard, didn't communicate very much about like really what he was. He, he suddenly went stark raving yeah. mad according to how Ray describes yeah. Him. Like right? he becomes a man obsessed, yeah. like that seems oddly unegon to become like apocalyptic doomsayer. I'm consumed by this one thing, and I'm gonna cut everyone out of my life to pursue it, but it is revealed that, like, oh, look at that, he does he did follow her childhood, uh, his daughter's childhood, yeah you know, from afar. Because he made the noble, like, he made the noble sacrifice,
0: right? And I mean, I, I I get the point that they're trying to make is that he decided to kind of sacrifice his life to protect the world or whatever. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but I just felt like there was way more the amount of of work they put into showing his good qualities was not meeting the level of how much they kind of shamed him in the movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so that was kind of weird. And then when Ghost Ramus, when Ghost Egon showed up, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Jesus. And I was glad he didn't talk. Yes. That I was very grateful for. And they're they're like, right there for a second, I was fine with it. But then I was like, okay, if this is like it, I think I might be able to handle this. But they just kept him around and they kept going with it. Um, I thought him disappearing during the hug was like cool, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like, supposedly his family approved of all of this and loved it so i guess i don't have a right being offended but it just it just felt weird and exploitive it does
2: it does it always feels i mean how can it not feel exploitive i mean this person no longer has a say yeah even though his family the estate has a say and they were fine with it it still feels weird because that person no longer that person is deceased thus they cannot have an opinion so, yeah, that's why. Exactly, it feels it feels weird.
0: And like obviously, I'll defer to his family as they're like the closest we got to an opinion on this. And, yeah, you know, I, I I could see myself if if he was my dad, I could see myself loving seeing that. But it's just it just felt weird. It felt odd and and uncomfortable. Even though I do believe their intentions were good.
2: Yeah. The difference between you and I would be if any of my dead relatives were brought back like that, I'd be like, please don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I. It, it really depends on the person. Some people wouldn't enjoy that at all. Yeah. But if, like, my father was this actor in this movie and they were able to give him this nice send off, I could see, for me personally, I could see enjoy- myself enjoying that. Right. but But it, it's depending, you know, it I could see a lot of people being like, fuck no, I do not want to see that at all. Should we just move on to uh, the negatives? We haven't, we beat that (laughs) drum. Was there there anything else you guys didn't like about Ghostbusters Afterlife? Or anything you were confused about?
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, I think you pretty much mentioned all of them, Alex, but (laughs) I just like, it just seems like, yeah, like the first, you know, half, but like more of the half, like I feel like The pacing at the end was, like, so quick. Like, all of a sudden, it was, like, Gozer shows up, and then, you know, 15 minutes, like, it's over. Yeah. There should have been more, like... I felt like there was so much build-up to something that wrapped up very quickly.
0: Right. Like, I really enjoyed the mystery of the earlier parts of the movie, and then all of a sudden, it's, like, it's over.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: One of my biggest questions... One of the things I found hardest to believe about the movie was that, um... How on earth did Peter Venkman actually get Dana to stick around? <laughs> <laughs> that know. was the thing that I found most. I was like, come on.
1: I'm glad her, you know, part was a, glo- was a cameo, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would have liked to see... Like, I, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like there's a lot you could have done with her if you're going to bring her back at all. And I guess it's like fine. But again, it's this whole thing. It's like, oh, it's cool, I guess. But what's the point? You know, if you're going to bring them in, what's going on? Are you actually trying to convince us that Peter Venkman, who's seemingly a notorious pain in the ass, managed to keep her around after all that? Like, like that's a whole story into itself, technically. I don't know. It was it was a weird thing to throw in there.
1: Janine's cameo was was weird too.
0: Yeah, I wanted more
2: Annie Potts.
0: I, I know. When she showed good. up in the beginning, I thought, oh wow, is she going to be like? a main character? Is she going to be, like, there helping them sort out the mystery of this or something? No, nope. And then, no, she just dis- disappears and then shows up at, you know, after the credits. Mm-hmm.
1: She probably, like, knew everything that was going on, too. Like, she could have, like, helped them.
0: I know. <laughs> she just left so after that?
2: That's another big, that's another bit of a plot hole, especially concerning Egon's disappearance. If she was always helping Egon, there was always a line of communication. <laughs> to the outside world yeah yeah right no matter how pissed off ray or you know winston or bankman where well janine knew what was going on and she could have said like hey he's doing a bunch of this stuff yeah you know i'm i'm paying his bills i'm seeing what's going on like there's an inkling you guys you guys whatever
0: right right yeah, it was it was odd uh, also didn't they say at one point that the firehouse is a starbucks now and then yes it's not
2: then it's not <laughs>
1: yeah
0: that, that that would have been an easy edit out. I don't know why they, did, you know, didn't well, bother. Well, isn't it implied
2: because Winston, with all of his money, kind of, he, we can assume that Winston's since he's crazy rich, that, you know, he starts the franchise up again, so what wouldn't stop him from doing? Just be like, nope, building's mine now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess. I was, I was glad he he was so successful afterwards. I'll give him that.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, especially because, because famously, you know, as long as there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe it in whatever you want me to. <laughs>
0: right. So it's like, hell
2: yeah, and Winston gets paid.
0: All right. Would you guys give any random aesthetic choices in Ghostbusters Afterlife a breaky Award in honor of the Windbreakers in the Neil Blancamp movie Demonic?
1: I mean, Paul Rudd's, like, summer school teacher, you know. <laughs> I thought he was pretty goofy and funny. So I thought his clothes were good at doing that, good at
0: adding to that, too. Yeah, I liked his, like, shorts and boots, like, kind of yeah. combo.
2: Uh, I'm going to have to go with, I mean, you may have the same one, Alex. got to go with Carrie Coons, uh, you know, go uh, Zool. Yeah. Zool dress, I guess we'll call it. Because apparently Zool could just manifest clothes. <laughs> I
0: know. Even after she's unpossessed or whatever, she still has it. It's, yeah, it's,
2: I know. That's right. Let's stop. Let's stop there. Wait, Zool can affect things on the molecular level permanently?
0: <laughs> I know. That's impressive. Yeah.
2: Great to go Zool.
0: Yeah, for for me, I guess it would be a tie between Carrie Coon in that dress with the red eyes, mm. um, or um, New Gozer with the it glowing hollow body. Yeah, that, I I both both really I I enjoyed both very much, so I'd have a hard time choosing between the two. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so finally, would you recommend Ghostbusters Afterlife?
1: Uh, I mean. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, if you're into nostalgia and just want like a nice nostalgia trip, but a little bit new, you know, I mean, it's definitely fun.
2: It is. Yeah. Uh, I think the real issue is just that it, it's two different movies. You yeah. know, right. we keep talking about how the first half is just is this really interesting mystery, you know, and then the second half is just a rehash in a new setting of the first film. Yeah.
1: Have you guys seen um the the other ghostbusters with like Kristen Wiig and Melissa No, and I Harvey? never saw that. And seen. and
0: I I didn't have I wasn't as like offended by it as other people, but it just didn't look good to me, so I yeah. never saw it. Actually, I did see part of like the end of it and it looked pretty rough, so I was like, "All right, I think I made the right choice."
2: Mm. Yeah, I had no issue Stupid. with them. Making a female Ghostbusters movie, I was just more along the lines of, "Oh no, there's a look at the, this feels cringe in some scenes uh, in terms of like the like the like the whole uh, Chris Hemsworth's dancing thingamajig at the uh, like, yeah. I was a little cringy and that that's what put me off more than anything.
0: That's what I saw, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
2: and please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think any ghosts are actually busted in that film. I think they're largely really? unsuccessful, unfortunately, which I think is a real shitty thing to do. I think Right. A lot of the to- a lot of the scenes, I think, ended with them just, like, failing or the ghost getting away or, like, them running away, it, which is, like, feels bad, man. Feels bad.
0: Yeah, that's a bummer. Exa- I never really... I like the cast of that one. Yeah. I just thought the movie itself looked bad. But, again, I haven't seen the whole thing. Maybe I'd have a different opinion of it, but... Based on what I saw, I wasn't blown away. I I thought this was better than the parts of the other Ghostbusters movie that I saw. That's for sure. Um, but I, I, I would have a hard time recommending this too because I feel like, it. as you said, it's two movies. It, I Because like, I was watching the movie and for the first half I was like, if I was a kid seeing this movie now, I would fucking love this movie. I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. These are kids dealing with ghosts and they got cool gadgets and shit like this is awesome. But then when the end kicks in, I feel like kids would be like, I don't get it. Yeah. Since it depends so heavily on nostalgia for the older movies. Yeah. So it's just it's a hard movie to recommend because I feel like it's kind of made for two different audiences. And it's not in a way that's woven in throughout the entire movie. It takes a hard shift halfway through.
2: It's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. So I don't know. Uh, cautious recommendation, I'd probably give.
2: A cu- how about if you're really curious? There's no harm, but we're not going to tell you to go see it.
0: Right. Yeah. Not a bad movie, but you pro you. There's a decent chance you'll leave feeling somewhat unsatisfied. There you go. All right. Do you guys have anything you saw recently that you'd like to quickly recommend?
1: Nope.
2: Nah. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll quickly say I watched the uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
2: Oh, what'd you think? What'd you think? What'd you think?
0: It was fine. Yeah, I had a feeling. You know, I, I don't... I'm not really into that series that much, so I don't really have high hopes for it. I, I thought it was fine. I thought there was like a, a real massacre scene that I thought should have been really effective that I thought they they missed the mark on i thought it kind of it didn't have nearly the level of impact it was supposed to the gore and kills were both brutal and sometimes kind of underwhelming there also seemed to be i don't know if they were trying to say something about like modern day politics or not it's hard to tell if they were really trying to say something i don't I, so i don't know i can't tell if some people hate the movie because they think that it's like anti-liberal or, and if some people love the movie because they think it's anti-liberal, I, I, I can't tell. I, I don't know what their goals were. It was fine. I will say that there's a whole thing with the Sally from the original movie coming back and trying to hunt down Leatherface and Leatherface not remembering, not caring who she is. True. And I was like, I feel like this is doing a much better job of dealing with that than they are doing in the current Halloween movies. Evil dies tonight but that's just me.
2: Evil dies tonight, 40 years ago. But
0: evil dies tonight. So, you know, I don't know. It was... It was fine. Okay. Evil dies tonight. It did have a cool ending, I guess. I'll say
3: that. Okay, cool. I simply love what you've done with this place. Heavy metal meets house and garden. Ha ah, ah. ha ah. ha! Beautiful. It's so dark and gothic and disgustingly decadent.
0: It's so bright and Chipper and conservative.
3: It's so yeah, and yet so yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, The sound of Jim Carrey saying one of his great lines for Batman Forever means we are out of time. We'll be back next Monday with a new episode, assuming we don't get turned into haunting CGI recreations before then. If you have any questions for me, Matter Tim, you can reach us through our email, aiptmoviespod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at aiptmoviespod. If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcast articles or features on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash Comics. Thanks for listening and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for you.
2: Bye. Do not, my friends, become addicted to nostalgia. It will take hold of you and you will resent its absence. Yeah. yeah.
0: British,
3: British, British,
0: British,
3: British, British, British. British.